This is the Strategic GC, Gartner's General Counsel Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Strategic GC Podcast. I'm your host, Eliza Craigman. We know a lot of general counsel have compliance reporting into them or serve as both GC and chief compliance officer. So today we're going to discuss how to encourage employees to speak up about misconduct. This is always a challenge for organizations, but more so in the era of hybrid and remote working. With fewer or no in-person gatherings, cultivating the type of culture that inspires employees to speak up is difficult. Here to shed some light on misconceptions that compliance leaders have about this issue and provide practical guidance on motivating staff to report misconduct is my colleague, Jennifer Googler. Jennifer advises compliance executives, is an attorney, and a 20-year veteran at Gartner. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hey, Eliza. Thanks for inviting me today. Well, we're happy to have you here. So tell me, do compliance leaders have a good grasp on employee views about reporting misconduct? So I guess I'll answer that um, by saying our clients, you have been reading our research over the last year, have a good grasp. But the average compliance officer, the average GC probably is unaware of what's been going on in the minds and hearts of their employees over the last few years. As you pointed out, now that many folks are remote, even though they've got a lot of back-to-office mandates going on, I think quite a few of our clients are still unaware of what's sort of brewing out there at the moment. Okay, so that sounds ominous. What What is brewing out there? What do, what do they think and what's the reality? So everybody listening today is a compliance officer or a GC who owns compliance. I'd love for you in your own head to think about a new Eliza too, right? Um, think through to what extent do you think that your employees believe reporting is the right thing to do? Now, Eliza, I'm not asking whether you think reporting is the right thing to do. I'll ask you that in just a minute. We're asking our chief compliance officers to imagine as if they were their own employee. The thing that was really interesting about that was a really high percentage of our clients said, yeah, sure. I think my employees believe that reporting is the right thing to do. It was just over 80%. Eliza, I'm not going to quiz you on what you thought. You probably said you bet your employees, if you were RGC, believe reporting is the right thing to do. The real gut punch here, Eliza, without trying to sound too dramatic, is that when we asked employees directly, hey, do you think reporting is the right thing to do? What do you think the percent? I know I'm catching you off guard. You had no, you didn't know I was going to make you do this. What do you think the percentage of employees were that said, hey, I think reporting is the right thing to do? Of course, one would hope that it was relatively high, let's say, you know, 75 to 80%. That's your biggest hope in the world. And I, I'm going to sucker punch you right now and say, no, you're totally wrong. And you're off by a mar- margin of like, 25%. Oh, dear. Because the number was only 54%. So just so that everybody listening really wraps their arms around what I just said, only 54% of employees tell us that they believe reporting is the right thing to do. Now, Eliza, I'm a glass half full kind of gal. You've known me for years, right? I can spend anything to sound positive. So I will make it sound positive. Hey, 54% of employees believe that reporting is the right thing to do, right? <laughs> 
Ooh, but what does that actually tell you? Okay, it tells you a couple of things. One, 46% are not there with us. Right. That seems kind of troubling. Super troubling. Not, not like kind of troubling. It's really troubling if you are a moral absolutist like I sort of am. I'm very black and white. If it's a rule and you told me the rule or I wrote the rule, if I'm one of our listeners, I'm going to do the thing you told me to do. So what on earth is going on with those 46%? Yeah. How do you think we got to this point where 46% of these employees don't think that uh, there's a moral obligation to report misconduct? Well, I'll take the word moral out of that only because what we realize with not only that 46% of LISA, but even some of those 54% who agreed on a theoretical level, that group is taking a much more pragmatic view today when it comes to deciding whether they should come forward or not. What do you mean they're taking a more pragmatic view? Could you unpack that for me? Yeah. And again, it took me a a lot of time to sort of get myself to this place to accept that folks think about it this way. Rather than thinking about speaking up as sort of a binary yes, no, and, and the answer is always yes, the more pragmatic perspective on it is to say, okay, there's a long list of pros and cons for coming forward in this case. So what are some of those things on the con list for employees for why they wouldn't report? We could probably spend an hour untangling that one, but I'll just give you a couple of quick high notes. One is that employees today seem to be a lot less trusting of their organization relative to a handful of years ago. Two might be, you know, especially when you think about the brand new employee, that they are looking at this more as an opportunity to grow their relationships, grow their career within an organization, and they might see reporting as sort of a, a hit on that and drawing attention to themselves. And then the last sort of element here, which has loomed large for a long time for our clients, but I think is particularly acute in some of the things that sort of covered at the macro level during the pandemic is I think there's anxiety amongst employees that if they were to come forward, they wouldn't be treated kind of safely within the process. There's that fear of retaliation that has been ever present that I think is particularly or remains particularly acute today. Got it. Thanks for clarifying. So I feel like you're telling me that the traditional emphasis from compliance and legal leaders that speaking up is the right thing to do, and this is part of what the company espouses as its value, isn't working for staff today or isn't resonating with them. Is, is that right? I think you really nailed it, actually, because when you crack open our standard clients' code of conduct or their speak up policy, the language is there across all industries. Come forward, speak up. It's the right thing to do. It is there. I, I, I challenge anybody listening to this podcast today to go ahead and look at your own and see if you use that language. And I think the assumption has been for decades now, if I say it, if we put it there, employees will believe it and they'll move forward with it and they'll do the thing that I've asked them to do. What we now know to be true is A, they're not even with us, as we said, um, many of them. And so we have to sort of think about how can we reframe the messaging that we're putting out to employees and change some of their beliefs and their thinking so that they're going to be more likely to believe that reporting is the right thing to do so that they will come forward if they see something that doesn't look right. 
Got it. So at least we understand now the problem and some of the misconceptions out there, but what can we do about it? What should the proposition be to employees on this? Yeah. And I, I love Eliza, your use of the word proposition, because that's actually how we tried to frame it our, on our end, sort of a spinoff from the employee value proposition that so many organizations use. We said employees today need what we're calling a reporting value proposition. And and I, I love that tagline because I think it really resonates with a lot of our clients in conversation with their HR peers. There are really three things that are part and parcel to this reporting value proposition. They are one, an employee believing that they can trust in your process. And, and a lot of that, by the way, on the trust piece of the puzzle is grounded in a sense of fairness and a sense of transparency. Employees need to believe that there's some sort of benefit to them individually. P.S. Eliza, if you just say it's good for the company, which is a benefit to the organization, get no credit on that one. It's tough for our clients. Uh, that, the last one, which again is one of these that a lot of our clients have been working really hard on for a long time. Employees need to feel that they'll be treated safely, meaning that they won't be retaliated against if they were to come forward. Okay. Well, this you know makes sense from a 30,000 foot cliff view, but how do you get to the the nuts and bolts of doing it? I mean, I think highlighting that it benefits employees is particularly interesting. Really, what's in it for me? Why why should I care? It's totally true. The what's in it for me universe that we're all now living in. It's it's tough to swallow if you're a tried and true ethics and compliance person like I am, right? Um, but that's sort of the the state of affairs with employees. One other thing before I kind of share a couple of ways that folks can make some improvements near term in looking at those three different things that I mentioned, right? Trust, benefit, safety. You don't really get a lot of credit. If you can simply tell me, I can tell you, Jennifer, that we were fair. I can tell you, Jennifer, that there is some sort of benefit. Where you get the credit is an employee believing it and knowing it and feeling it. That's what's going to cause them to change their mind that reporting is the right thing to do. And that's what's going to be the thing that gets them to want to come forward. So are you saying you have to show instead of tell? What's what's the difference here? What's the distinction you're getting at? That's actually a great distinction. And I'm mortified that that had never come to my mind in all of these many nights of talking about it, Eliza. But that's totally right. Like it's actually, it's not just tell me, it's show me and help me believe you and get me to believe you when you are showing and telling me So I think we have time to get into the specifics of one of these three elements. Can you tell me how you make a reporting process more trustworthy? On the trust piece, it's really about showing and telling um, and getting employees to believe that you've been as transparent and fair as you can be on both the reporting process itself and on the discipline. And I'm going to put in the parking lot the discipline piece in the puzzle for a second because I want to hover over transparency and fairness in the reporting process. If you are at step zero on this one, there is so much for the taking. It's it's really remarkable. Um, and our clients are doing anything from creating videos where they showcase and answer all those sort of voyeuristic questions about what the reporting process looks like, what the investigations process looks like, answering the questions that might be 
swimming in the heads of the average employee, but have never gotten an answer from your company directly. So some folks are putting videos together. Some folks are putting manuals together. Some folks are, folks are doing poster campaigns. Our most innovative client is doing what I might call a mock reporting and investigations exercise. A mock reporting and investigation exercise. So is this more police procedural or judicial? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's way more fun than what you've just set up. Um, the idea is you get a team of people together. And during this, you know, whether it's a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, however much time you can give to this for a small team, you're not teaching them the ins and outs of the misconduct. So let's take um, theft of technology as an example. You're not trying to teach them what that means. What you're trying to help them do during this 30-minute exercise is to appreciate in conversation and discussion, what are their options when they see Eliza um, stealing some sort of um, piece of technology from the organization? What are the, what are the options, right? Do I go to my manager? Do I report anonymously? If I report anonymously, what kind of information do I need to have, et cetera, et cetera. And over the course of the 30 minutes, they're going through all those different decision junctures that your average employee sitting on information might have to go through. Wondering, questioning, et cetera. Okay, let's recap. I've been naughty and my fellow colleagues are thinking about the various ways that they might turn me in. Right, exactly. They're kind of wondering, do I speak up to my manager? Do I call the hotline? Do I talk to Eliza directly? The manager who is facilitating these mock exercises isn't there to help with right answer. They're really to help sort of shepherd the group through all those decision junctures. So that at the end of the half hour or 45 minutes, the team can say, we've gone through this in our heads. We've decided we are going to take this approach, right? We're going to internalize it in. We're going to do it anonymously on the hotline. And we understand what that would look and feel like. Now, here's the interesting thing, Eliza. A year later, do you think your team would actually remember if they had agreed a year ago to turn you in or not? Uh, I actually think that they would from because it sounds like a really thought-provoking exercise. It is meant to be thought-provoking, but I think chances are solid. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. What they likely really remember, though, because they've already built the muscle memory on this, is they're going to remember that there is a process sitting out there for them and that there is this anonymous hotline, or that they do have the ability to go to their manager. The idea is, even if they forget that they turned Eliza in or didn't turn Eliza in, they've built the muscle memory to appreciate that the reporting process and the investigations process is reliable, it's durable, and it's just hanging out there for the next time. Eliza missteps, you're probably fired at that point, Eliza. <laughs> oh dear, I'm in trouble now. Right. Um, or for the next thing that they see that doesn't look right. Got it. So I guess it's the act of, you know, going through this process that helps employees realize that it is trustworthy. It's something they can rely on. And that's the spirit of this, right? It's not just me telling you as the compliance officer, hey, trust in our process. It's actually me, the compliance officer, sharing back data about the process sharing back data about how many calls into the hotline were substantiated year over year and how that has trended. 
It's me sharing back with you and giving you time in that 45 minute mock exercise to appreciate what it would look and feel like to move through that reporting process. Got it. Okay. One more question and it's a tough one. So we have talked about, you know, really making a a wholesale change to the way that companies encourage um, and oversee their messaging around uh, reporting misconduct. But where should GC or compliance layers get started? If they were going to do one thing tomorrow, what is that thing they should do? Eliza, I know you asked one, but I'm going to do two and I hope that's okay. Okay. It's all right. I'll give you two. Right, because one is actually truly within reach and doesn't need a whole lot of permission outside of the sort of legal compliance space. And you don't need a whole lot of other partners to work with you to crack open your code and crack open your speak up policy, crack open your training that you're doing for your code the beginning of next year. Look at that script and figure out How can you start to reframe the benefit piece of the puzzle so that it speaks directly to the individual employee and shares with them what is in it for them individually or for their team? So that's the first one. Again, I don't think you're going to need a lot of permission or cross-functional collaboration on that one. The other one I would urge you to do, and quite frankly, I have not dropped the DOJ at all in here, but this is where it starts to really percolate is on the trust piece of the puzzle. Remember, trust is very much built on that foundation of fairness and transparency regarding your investigations, reporting, and discipline process. The time is right, right now, Eliza, to crack open your investigations process across the board to understand. Could we even start to be transparent about what we've got going on because we do have a lot of companies that we work with who will say something like, well, Jennifer, quietly in an untaped environment, we're doing a great, <laughs> right? We're doing a great job and ethics and compliance at legal and holding ourselves to certain boundaries and expectations and cycle times and all the like. But we do have some folks who are the wild, wild west at our organization and we are not consistent function to function. And I, I get it, right? I, that requires some hand-holding and cross-functional collaboration. But Eliza, you're our average employee here today, right? Do you even know who investigates what? I don't think so, right? Like you just saw something that didn't look right. You reported it and you never found out what happened because that team has made the choice to never circle back. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm a little sour about that. You're sour. I mean, that's a nice word, right? You're never coming forward again to, to report anything because you already told that you told that company, you told our organization, you saw something that didn't look right and they did nothing about it. And so one of my clients in compliance said, we are collateral damage when a different function is not as consistent as we are. So it's a long way to say your second job is to look at your investigations process across the organization to figure out where you need to straighten things up, make it more consistent, all with an eye towards being more transparent with your employees about what they can expect, what it's going to look and feel like, and your commitment to show your work on everything that's going on behind the scenes with your investigation. That's great, Jennifer. Well, this has been a really informative, helpful, and interesting conversation. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Invite me back next time.
Will do, will do. We'll have round two. Next, I'd like to tell you about some exciting research featured in our latest issue of Gartner Business Quarterly, our company-wide magazine, which is available to all Gartner clients. The research is about a concept that GC will care about, the risk balance sheet. What is that? It's a new method that translates risks into the familiar context of a financial ledger. A risk balance sheet can increase leaders' comfort with rolling out initiatives throughout the enterprise. Applying concepts such as risk assets, risk debt, and risk equity can help executives assess their portfolio of major strategic decisions and clarify where the organization can afford to take a chance. Clients can find this research by searching for the risk balance sheet or Gartner Business Quarterly on the Gartner homepage. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.